one of the biggest things that we do, there's a mental barrier that stops people from building wealth because the information is there, but why don't we go after it? Right. Mm -hmm. And there's, and so for me, you give the people education, but you have to empower them. You have to make them believe they deserve it, that they can do it. And once the education, the empowerment is there, it then changes the way they think, which is where modify comes from. So the biggest thing that we do is shift people's mindsets because finance and investing and building wealth isn't hard. But when you have an identity around the world, you know, is not designed for me to win. I didn't come up, grow with money. I, I made a bunch of mistakes. All of those thoughts and feelings carry with you every day of your life. And they prevent you from taking the steps. Right. And so you make get scared. Money. you guys welcome back to the more rounds podcast and i'm kim lewis ceo and co-founder of chromix and today we are here with the ashley fox y'all the money girl okay before we get started we gotta do our cheers first and we're gonna get to her story all right ashley tell me about yourself tell me about empathy tell me about your story how'd you get started and ultimately how'd you fund your business okay so i am from philly and i always liked math so I wanted to major in finance. So I went to the best HBCU in the world, Howard University, <laughs> and I majored in finance. And so when I was at Howard, I knew I wanted to work on Wall Street. So I actually never wanted to be an entrepreneur. Back then, entrepreneur wasn't even the sexy thing to do. And I knew I wanted to be on Wall Street. I wanted to have one of the highest paying jobs out of school. So at Howard, I had four internships and three of them, I worked at Wall Street banks. So I made like my first $10,000 in the summertime. And I said, I need that job. So Wait, you made 10000 that summer? Yeah. Mm. Yeah. Okay, okay, okay. How did you get these jobs on Wall Street? Well, I think at Howard One, their school of business prepares you for just to be on Wall Street and be in corporate America. So I was, I, I was learned, I was taught how to eat, how to play golf, how to do my resume. How do you how eat? To, you know, just how to, the forks are set up. Okay. And like just knowing how a table setting is if you're in a corporate setting. Okay. And just those little things that have the proper etiquette. Okay. So, and also a lot of the Wall Street banks, pretty much all of them recruit at Howard. So I got a, a lot of exposure to different companies their internship opportunities. And so because I knew how to interview, I would do like 50 interviews like every single semester just so I can get the internship. So I worked really, really hard at Howard because I knew that they were coming to get black students. They were coming to Howard and I had to be the best. So at Howard, I was really like focused. And so wow. I had four internships every single year. How many credits were you taking? Normal, whatever the normal amount of credits. I wasn't doing too, too much. But I was really, like, I cried when I got my first B at Howard. Like, it was serious. You cried? Yeah. Girl. Yeah. <laughs> different kids, boy. I don't think I ever cried over no grades. Not even my Ds and Fs. I was just like, you know, that's all I could do. Yeah, <laughs> and at, at Howard, they have, like, Club UGL, which is, like, the library everybody goes to. I went to the health and science lot. Like, I went to, I was really, really focused at Howard because I wanted to be on Wall Street. And so when I graduated at Howard, I worked in asset management. And so my job was to work with individuals that made at least $25 million or more. So I saw everything from what they invested in, where they traveled, where they lived. I saw everything. And I would say about maybe eight months in, um, I didn't want the job anymore. And I think I'm the type, now that I'm older, I learned that like I have to go after that big old thing, do everything in my power to get it. And once I have it, I don't want it anymore. And so eight months in, I just felt like I didn't want to stay late. I didn't want to be that best analyst. And so it actually also like messed with my mom because I felt like I wasn't good enough because I was not a good employee either. Mm, um, okay. and so I felt like I also wanted to be like our client. Like I felt like 
I shouldn't, I'm, I'm on the wrong end of the table. They're making millions and billions of dollars. And my job was to help keep them rich. But when I would go home to Philly, where I'm from, everybody thought I was rich. So I was making like six figures by the time I was like 22, 23. And I'm like, this isn't money. I want yeah. that kind of money. One of the things I realized is that they all created something. And even if I stayed at my job for 10, 15 years, I still would not have been qualified to be the client that we were servicing. Isn't that like a mind fuck? Like, <laughs> I'm working for you, you're rich, and I go home and everybody thinks I'm rich. Yeah. And you'd be like, baby, I'm not rich. Right. Like, you yeah. know, and they just, they don't get it, you yeah. know? Wow, okay. Okay, so I'm sorry. Keep going. I didn't mean to interrupt. So, all right, so I realized I wanted to leave. I didn't know what to do because my, my whole everything since high school, I'm going to be on Wall Street. And so I started to read a lot of books, and I started to study our clients. And I realized that they all created something. So I had no idea what I wanted to create. And I remember going on Twitter one day, talking about and teaching the things that I was learning that all our rich clients were doing. And people were asking me for help. And I'm like, hmm, what if I could teach people the information that I'm learning just on a smaller scale? How old were you? Uh, 22, You were really young. Okay. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So I started, I literally did everything our clients would do. I traveled to the south of France because that's where all our rich clients would go for the summer. Like, like I wanted to be like our clients. So I felt like while they started with a hundred million, I would start investing with a hundred dollars. And so for me, I feel like success leaves clues. You just have to follow the blueprint. I was around rich people all day. So I just followed their blueprint. Um, so it came time for me to, to choose if I wanted to stay at the company or go somewhere else. And I realized that I just didn't, I was here for something bigger. Um, and I got to a point where I felt like I wanted to take the Wall Street knowledge and give it to the world Wall Street overlooks. Now, I had no idea how, but I knew that it was going to be me and I knew why I had to be the woman. So I left literally July 2013 with the intent to target the 99 percent Wall Street overlooks. So I left my job. I had thirty thousand dollars. And so at that time, that was a lot of money for me. Um, I had $30,000 and I'm like, I'm gonna go change the world. I had this big old quitting my job brunch that everybody came to. Um, and I became a financial advisor. So I had already had my security licenses. I was licensed in all these different States. And my job was essentially to service small to moderate income people. Like those are the people that I wanted to target. So I built a financial advisory business. How much are they paying you or how are you getting paid? Uh, through companies would pay me. So let's say you were a client and you wanted to learn how to invest. You needed to roll over your retirement plan. You wanted to open accounts with different institutions and get mutual funds. My job was one to get you involved with that company to get educated. So there were tons of companies that paid me. Okay. So I had, I had access to the company I used to work for, like all their different products and services. So I brought the institutions to the everyday person. Okay. So I opened a financial advisory business, but before that um, I lost everything. Mm. So the $30,000 that I had, um, I ended up getting kicked out my apartment in Harlem um, I maxed out credit cards, negative bank accounts, and I had to move back to Philly. How my, long when you lost that Literally, 30, like, less than six months. Oh, wow. Okay. <laughs> less than six months. Um, so I moved back to Philly. But I think for me, what what helped is I saw billions of dollars. Like, it was so, it was so, this is how I knew I had to leave. It was to a point if our clients had two, three, four, five million dollars in their account, that wasn't a lot of money to us. Because you had to have mm. at least 25 million to even work with that part of the bank. And so I'm working with millionaires and billionaires. Like, I'm in their bank accounts. I'm seeing what their kids are doing with their money. So it got to a space where, like, a couple million dollars, five million here wasn't a lot of money. So my perception of what true wealth looks like is what I saw every day. And so it was easy for me to teach the everyday person because I knew so much more because I was dealing with a different type of clientele. 
Um, so when I got kicked out of every, like when I got kicked out of my apartment, I lost everything. And this is because you, you had blew through your $30,000. Yeah. Is that why? It's okay. just that when you start a business as when I was a financial advisor, money, when you think money's going to come, it just didn't come. Mm. And also too, I was living like I still worked on wall street. So I was still traveling the world. Like I just thought money was coming in. I was on a high horse to be honest. And I just wasn't paying my rent. Like I had uh, issues with my apartment building. They owed me certain things. I owed them certain things. And I wanted to break my lease in New York because my business started to really blow up in Philly. And they said, okay, well, you owe us a bunch of back rent. So nonetheless, my mom ended up bailing me out because I, I literally was a day before I was about to get like evicted, meaning it was going to go on my credit report. My mom gave me some money to like pay off the apartment, but I had to sleep on my parents' couch for two years. Mm. And that's really where... I started. So I was very humbling too. Yeah. For after sure. going to work at, on Wall I, mean, I mean, coming from making six figures to teaching the world about money and you don't even have, so nobody knew at the time it wasn't until like a year or so later when I was no longer in trouble financially. But that was my first experience as an entrepreneur running my financial advisory business. And so I knew what Empify felt like. And so literally maybe three months after I left wall street, um, I was like, okay, I'm going to create something for the world, but I don't know what it is. It's like, okay, I know what I want it to feel like. Yeah. So I listed out all these words and I put it into this website. To this day, I don't even know what the website is, but it made the word Empify. And so mm. Empify is the word empower and modify merge together. Because for me, it's not that you can't get access to financial education. And people often say like, it's hidden. It's not hidden. It's just not the topic of our conversation. Right. Because everything that I was taught or I saw you can Google the information. It's just that Wall Street's not going to target a certain type of clientele because they can't make money off that clientele. Yeah. So why would I teach a certain environment how to invest if I can't make money off of it? And there's no school out there that teaches you that type of financial education. And so for me, it was like, okay, I don't know what this is. I called it it, but I know what it feels like. And yeah. so and I, I couldn't think of a word, so I made it up. And so for me, one of the biggest things that we do, there's a mental barrier that stops people from building wealth because the information is there, but why don't we go after it? Right. Mm -hmm. And there's, and so for me, you give the people the education, but you have to empower them. You have to make them believe they deserve it, that they can do it. And once the education, the empowerment is there, it then changes the way they think, which is where modify comes from. So the biggest thing that we do is shift people's mindsets because finance and investing and building wealth isn't hard. But when you have an identity around, the world, you know, is not designed for me to win. I didn't come up, grow with money. I, I made a bunch of mistakes. All of those thoughts and feelings carry with you every day of your life. And they prevent you from taking the steps. Right. And so you make get the scared. Money. Right. Yeah, so exactly. after my financial advisory business, I got to a point where I was like, build. I, by this time I had crossed six figures, had a bunch of clients. But then so I you realized, left your job in July. Yep. You got lost everything. And mm -hmm. over the next six months, when does Empify start to make Six figure. You said you had six figure clients, but as a financial advisor, Empify was still an idea. Okay, so gotcha. I now I made the LLC, but I never Empify didn't make. Ashley was the advisor, in working independently, getting clients, working with companies. So Ashley Fox was has built a business as a self employed individual. Gotcha. To to financially advise because when you're advising, you give products. Yeah. When you're educating, you're not giving products. Ah, and so okay. I think the Empify and what I did was in the beginning. And then I made the money because companies paid me to put their products and services in front of people that I had connections with. And I was really good at that. So how long before, so how long did you do the financial advisory business? From 2013 to 2017. Okay, so it was about four years. Yeah. I and was then that. is that when you made the switch to Empify? Yeah. So in 2016, um, we started to be approached by schools. And I had this vision of like, okay, Adults are mentally and financially broken. Like, I can't change them. They have to want to change. Okay. 
let me teach a kid. Because if I teach a kid, it's a lot easier. So I start. So in 2016, <laughs> she said adults are mentally broken and they are not able to change their thought process, which is true. They have you've to, gotten they, so old. They, yeah. You have to want, I could want this for the world, but the world has to be ready. Yeah. And it's a lot easier to, in, to introduce it to a child and shift the child's mindset as they're still developing versus talking to somebody who's 30, 40, 50. You're talking about 60. You know how hard it is to get somebody to want to invest? Especially if they're black, there's so many things and situations that have stopped black people from even trusting the American system. Yeah. So for me to get you to trust, for me to get you to believe that it can be done mm. when you have no pure evidence that it's possible, you got to want to do this. And yeah. so it, and I think I got to a space where it was like, I was frustrated. And, and so it's like, okay, I still have to fix this problem in the world. Where can I start? And so yeah. individuals started to see on social media, cause I always posted my journey on social media, whether I was down and out, I, I knew I wanted the world to see what Wall Street gave me. And so we in 2016, my revenue dropped as a financial advisor because I was going into school systems. But I was teaching for free because I wanted to learn how to build a curriculum, build a program that could financially educate middle school and high school students. Okay. So in 2016, I was half my time was spent going into schools building a program. Okay. It wasn't until 2017 that Empify generated its first stream of revenue as, as an entity because we got a contract with a school district in Philadelphia and our program was in 20 different schools across the city. Oh, wow. So it kind of, everything kind of went for what grade level was this middle school and high school. Okay. So by this time, I think maybe by 2018, we were in like 50 different schools. We were in prison systems. How old were you? Uh, maybe like 28, 29. Man, that's crazy. That's dope. You were people be dreaming about having contracts with school districts and like, I want to be in this many schools we can really teach, but like you actually did it. It wasn't like a, I don't know how to do this. I'm not going to For me, it it was, for me, it was a, I didn't know how, but I knew I like, it wasn't for, well, for one, I never started Empify for money. Wall Street I did, which is why I think it didn't last. I went at Wall Street for the prestige, for the money, for the perception. I also, this was pre-therapy actually too. So I needed, (laughs) I needed, I needed external things to validate who I was. Mm -hmm. But interestingly enough, I actually always wanted to be a teacher. But teachers didn't, in my mind, as a kid, didn't make money. Yeah. And so let me get one of the highest paying jobs out of school. So I, that's why I worked on Wall Street. I, it's, it's literally Wall Street or being an engineer. Or I would have had to go to school longer. How so, did you get that first like school? You said the school came to you initially. Yeah. So because I was posting on social media, people were like asking me to come to different schools. So I had a friend who went to high school with me, introduced me to a principal of a school. And so I sat with her and kind of told her what I wanted to do. She was like, what do you want to try this out on our kids? And I was like, yeah. And so Mm. I used to sit in schools in classes. I started to understand the common core curriculum because one of the things people have to understand just in any business, you may have this dream for the world, but that's what you want. Yeah. What do they want? So when I built our programs, you have different stakeholders, what do what does the school want? The school doesn't care about financial education. They care about the test scores. What does a student want? They want to be engaged. They want to have fun. What does a teacher want? They need the test scores. So it's like, what do the parents want? So we had to build our program so that it, it we gave the school. So we would align our program and our curriculum with the common core. So when kids were doing ratios and percentages, we incorporated that in our program. Mm. Because then if I can show you that I can help educate these kids to hit, hit your bottom line, I'm able to fulfill my bottom line, which is to financially educate the world. Mm, that's smart. Okay. So you it works with this principle. Does that principle go and tell other schools that they should no, have this? No, so at this point, okay. so at this point, um, that following year, they wanted the program back, but they didn't have money. And they she knew a CEO of another financial institution 
and then they gave the money to the school and then they paid us. But by this point, people are seeing it. You didn't feel pressure to lower your price so that they could afford it? No. <laughs> I no, love that. I love no. that. I love that. Um, because Are you able to say how much you were charging the school or no? Yeah, I'm, I'm actually embarrassed. $4,000. Oh, wow. And what do you think you should have been charging them? At least at that time from a... Educ- from experience, at least 10. At least 10. Okay, yeah. gotcha. Okay. And, and because we were doing programs with schools for half the year. Put it like this. We, we were in 20-plus different schools. I was traveling around the city teaching four classes a day, and we did 12,000. Oh, my gosh. Yeah, yeah. insane. Yeah. I feel you. You know, but, but that, you got to do you got to do in the beginning, you know. But that was tied to my identity. That was 12000 at the time was the biggest check I ever saw. So the idea of even asking for more, I was afraid to have that kind of money. So I charged what I felt I was worth based upon what I was accustomed to seeing. Mm, so now it's tax. a little bit different, but yeah, 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 yeah. But I think because of How social you get media, those other schools, social media. Oh, okay. So because no one knew what I was doing for free, they knew that our school needs it. So by this time, prison systems are reaching out. We started to get schools from like different countries reaching out. Wow. At, but now they're asking how much, and so I got to a space where right before COVID, where we were not scalable because I wasn't in the business of financial education. I was in the business of hiring and firing people because in order to be in a hundred schools, I got to hire a bunch of people because we didn't have tech. And so the beauty of COVID was that schools didn't know how to function. And we were able to launch the tech platform, our wealth builders community that we have today for adults. But right before COVID hit, I had one of the largest charter schools in America wanting to hire me as a consultant to teach them how to put our financial education program in their entire high school. Oh, wow. So it got to a point where we were really good at what we did. So mm, Okay. And so is that how Amplify still functions today, focusing on teaching in schools? No, not not entirely. Okay. So when COVID hit, um, well, let me take a step back. As this was happening, I'm still creating. So at this point, adults are like, hey, I see what you're doing for kids. You have programs for adults. At that time, all I had was Ashley, the advisor. Yeah. And I can only serve so many people. I, I could do 12 meetings a day. I'd like, I literally timed it. And it's like, well, how can I reach millions? I can't do that as an advisor. That's where it was like, I want to do education because I didn't want to, at first I was making companies millions of dollars and I was hitting an audience that companies don't want to talk to because they don't know how to talk to them. So I got to a space where these companies are making way more money and it's the education that's getting them to execute, not your product. Right. And so when COVID hit, schools didn't know how to function. But right before COVID, maybe about a six to seven months before, we we had a membership-based platform. We were partnering with another company, um, but they owned our data. We didn't the, the the financials and how they paid us out had to be incorrect. It was just it just was a lot because we couldn't we didn't have any control. They, they we didn't get the emails, we didn't get anything. And this but, was a system to virtually educate people. So Imagine a Twitter timeline. Yeah. You join a Twitter timeline. We talk about finance all day and we do a class a week. But okay. that's all we had. But people, that was the only way I could service adults because we weren't implementing programs and companies. Right. Okay. Mm-hmm. So we had this membership. We charged $8 a month. And I remember we got our, fir- our first payment was like $900. And it was like, this will never, will never make less than $900 passively because our membership was growing. But I didn't own the data. And I'm also smart enough to know that I need to own my data because I'm bringing in an audience that this platform doesn't have. Right. Yeah. So when COVID hit, the world didn't know how to function. So all of our revenue at this point, we've crossed six figures is coming from B2B. And I knew I had to figure out how can we massively scale 
in, in the most effective way because I can't teach in classes all the time. Mm-hmm. And I got to learn how to hire and fire people and things like that. So when COVID hit, schools didn't know how to function. But we were we got approached by a, a tech company, interesting, a, a company that was like, hey, we want to bring your members on our technology. So in my mind, yes, because they let us own our data, right? So yeah. we would be paying them, to, you know, we'd be splitting revenue um, based upon a subscription. So I told all of our members, yes, we're moving and we're going to go to another platform. But that company was too much of a startup. Mm. They kept missing deadlines. They weren't affected. The technology, it, it just... It just was a lot. And so I had already told like 900 people we were moving. At that point, um, I'm like panicking because I have nowhere to go. And I told all these. And I'm, I'm very firm in telling our members, if, I'm, if I say we're going to do something, we're going to do it. So at this point, I'm crying. This is, this is what, 2020. Okay. Yeah, 2020. I'm top of 2020. I'm crying. And because at this point, in order for us to get technology, I don't know how much it costs. We, and, we, and the only way we made money was through B2B. B2B is out because it's COVID. So I had to... And you, so you only make money from the schools. Schools, correct. Gotcha. And so you have this community, but mm-hmm. you're not charging them for this we're charging. We're charging them $8 a month. So we're not making a... We're not... We, we can get a $30,000, $40,000 contract with a school that could pay our bills. And you're making like 10000 from yeah, this like, like platform. Not, so it's yeah, not it's not same. a lot. Gotcha. Not even... No, not even 10000 Had you ever considered... Oh, okay. Not even 10000 Okay. Okay, so less than that. Okay. Yeah. So I'm saying five... Mm, I would say maybe three to five. Depending three on... Five. Depending on but gotcha. again, we're giving up a large percentage of and our you never revenue. considered like raising money for like to go and hire teachers. I didn't even teachers? know what that was. Okay, that's fair. Yeah. I didn't know what that was in my first business. I, I, mean. I think, and it's interesting now that I'm older and more seasoned, I get why people raise capital, but that was never an option for me. Like I sold all my stocks. Um, I had a, a, my mom put me as an authorized user on an Amex card. Mm-hmm. Like I maxed out my, I pretty much just used credit cards. Gotcha. And, and I had, I had investment, like I had investments, but um. Yeah, I didn't really know what I was doing, but I didn't know I didn't I didn't know or think to raise capital at all. Like, gotcha. and I didn't think our business was good enough to go take out a loan. So whatever our credit card could do, is, okay. I also didn't have a lot of employees. Like, I had a I had like our one lead financial educator who was around when the word Empify was created, but he was living off his savings account because he was a consultant for the Federal Reserve. So like, wow. he was doing this on the side. He wasn't even full time. So, so you were really just making your money, most of your money from like teaching the schools and correct. being the one that shows up and advises the students and teaches them. Yeah. And then this is like a side project with like with the, with the uh, membership. With the membership. Yeah. Gotcha. OK. So when so now because we told our members we're leaving onto a new platform because I knew I needed my data. I, I, I was at a point scared to go out to get more members because I was not bringing thousands of people on this platform that we we didn't even own, forget the technology. We didn't own the data, yeah. and I knew that that the the average oh, investor. You, say data, you mean you had their emails? But you no, didn't I never. Know. I didn't have their emails either. Oh, oh, I you didn't, didn't have anything? Email. Nope, nothing. So no way to contact them. So it's like no point in growing it because you're like this is not yeah, an asset. Not, yeah, gotcha. okay. but I saw how fast we were growing, and it was just like I don't, you know, this isn't ours. Like I don't even have the data, and I'm again, I'm smart enough to know we need our data. But so when the new company, the starter that I, that I mentioned came about, it was yeah. like a lifesaver because it's like, yes, we can do more. Again, we just had like a main timeline. And this, this is one of the largest, uh, I guess I, I want to, it's kind of, it literally is like Twitter for stock investors, but their average investor has at least a hundred thousand dollars. Right. Mm, so okay. where I'm having people come on our platform who don't even know what a brokerage account is. So my audience was just different. Now I understand why they, they needed us and I understand why at the time we needed them. But I knew who I always knew who we were before we partnered with anybody. Gotcha. And okay. so as I start, as the numbers started to match my belief, I knew we had to do something different. So when a new company came around, I was like, yes, but they weren't ready. So at that point, 
I'm stuck. Like I have to go back to these people and tell them we're not leaving. I made a huge deal about it. So in that moment, as this is happening, I'm panicking. The market crashes. And so the stock market crashes. I remember being in 2008 at Howard and the market crashed. And I'm like, I'm, I, I, I didn't know what was happening. But I was on Wall Street when I watched our clients make billions of dollars as a result of the 2008 crash. Because mm. if you bought then, the, what the market grew to 2013, 14, 15, when I was on Wall Street, they made a killing. So if yeah. I, at this time, I now know how to invest. I'm now buying, right? So uh, myself and a girl on my team, we just started to market on social media. And it was like, I'm going to bring the world on this journey. This is now the time to go shopping in the stock market. And in that moment. What did you buy? Uh, Zoom, Delta, Apple, Amazon, What Tesla. month were you buying this? Like March and April 2020. Okay. When the market crashed, yeah. Mm-hmm. And so. I love the foresight. Another girl on our team found the technology that we license now. Now, this company, they're a little more popping now. But back then, three years ago, we were like, it, I think I was like the second black face. Because now I'm like on their website. Is she still with you? The, no, no. The, so, yeah, the, 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 com- the tech company that we license now. No, the girl who found it. Yeah, absolutely. Oh, wonderful. Yeah. That's, that's a, we, love a, we love a good team yeah. member, okay? Yeah. <laughs> so, um, so um, we, we got connected to another tech company. Because, again, I didn't know anything about tech. So when someone connected, uh, made, you know, made this recommendation, I'm talking to them. But at this point, it's like 30, 40, whatever. I don't remember the amount, but whatever it was, we didn't have it. Cash. Yeah. So I'm like, okay, in order to get on this platform, because no one knew we didn't have the technology to move our, our existing members, we had to make money. But at that point, I don't know how to make B2C revenue. Mm. I only know B2B. So when the market crashed. That's not a bad skill to have. I don't know B2B. <laughs> Look, many people, I know a lot of people know B2C. We wish they knew B2B. Like, I wish somebody write me a 20K, 30K, 40K check. Yeah, so. That's what I'm trying to get into the B2B revenue now. I'm yeah. like, this B2C game. That's a little wonky. Go ahead. So um, when that, so when the market crashed, I'm like, I, let's do a class. Crazy. So we, Abu, used to work in the co-working space in Philly. Okay. Me and a girl on my team. That's so funny. So, he, he was just on the last episode. So, so go ahead. Go so ahead. Abu, we bought Abu's course because we knew he was making money. We didn't know anything about ads. So we're we're thinking like we could, you know, whatever we got to do to make the money to license the new tech that we need because we didn't have the money. We watched Abu's program, but we watched the class Abu did to get people to buy his program. So we like, let's try this class. We literally took, literally Abu helped us. Built out our presentation, but for our program, for our resources to help people make money in the market, literally. I see what you're selling, but I'm going to take how you're selling and apply it to my selling. Right. (laughs) Whole infrastructure. And it's crazy because we bought the course to run ads. I I, I literally don't run ads now. Like, I've never, like, we try running ads for like a day and that was it. And we're like, we're not doing this. So we don't have any paid marketing as of today. Okay. So. We run the infrastructure. We made 12000 in like 60 seconds. Oh, wow. And that was a deposit we needed to get the new technology. Okay, wonderful. And so we got the new technology. So now we know how to make money. Like, so now we're making money. We're growing. I think that year we probably did like three three hundred and fifty thousand. Oh, wow. Um, and it's just you and one other person on your team? And the guy. Yeah. Oh, man. So you like, you pocketing that. So that's great. Yeah. I mean, it, sound, it sounds good. It didn't feel like that, though. But yeah. I mean, it's because you're coming <laughs> on Wall Street. You know, you're used to like multiple six I'm just figures. Saying, when like, you make, you know. it's, it's crazy because when you make money, it, it sounds like a lot. But when you have to pay for everything, it doesn't feel like a lot. That's all. Oh, girl, I know. I got big bills. I understand. So, <laughs> so now we got the tech. So now in, in July of 2020, we launched the Wealth Builders community. 
So now the wealth awareness community is the membership arm, the tech arm to Empify. And this is where adults from all over the world get access to financial tools and resources. So our community is like the uh, Netflix of finance, where we have over 250 hours of classes, tools, resources in a community-like safe environment. Because remember, Mm. in in the world of finance, from my perception, to change the mindset, to break generational curses, to build generational wealth, you have to shift the person's mindset, which can't be done in one course. We have to literally every day talk about this, embed this, create infrastructure, events, systems to get people to really know and believe to make this a way of life. Because our clients on Wall Street, this is what they do. Yeah. Investing was not an option. Yeah. This is this is who they were. And and they because that's how they were, that's how their kids were trained. If we don't come from money, our perception of it is essentially we don't have enough of it. When it's like you have to change that mindset in order to obtain it. So we built the community as a space to shift mindsets, but to give people readily access to financial tools and resources that cover from investing to building wealth for your children, life insurance, estate planning, money management, debt, all types of resources in a culturally relevant and easy to understand way. But the biggest thing that we're where we are now is being intentional about the data. And so when now back then data was demographics, right? Which is we have that information. But what we're creating now is you can go on the internet because now investing is trendy, which and, I think is. And how many people do you have your platform right now? Over 2,000. Oh, wow. That's awesome. Are you still doing the schools? Only one off. Not like 10-week, 20-week, 40-week programs. Not yet. Because the next the next step to Empify, one of the things we're doing, things that we're doing now is building the infrastructure because we're literally building the Harvard of financial education. Because you can go on the internet. Investing is trendy right now, which is a phenomenal thing. Because back in 2013, when I had a brokerage account, nobody was talking about it. Like you have tons of apps and things out there that make it readily accessible, which is a great thing. But you go on the internet to learn finance. You come inside Empify and the Wealth Builders Community app to execute on what you saw on the internet. Okay. So from a space of where our members have invested over $4 million. And these are people who never had investments before. And collectively, we've invested over $4 million. We're opening thousands of brokerage accounts. People are uh, creating thousands of dollars in passive income from dividend investments. People are investing in REITs. People are getting life insurance, investing for their kids. And so for me, it's like, hey, financial institution, you, you don't know how to service or reach the heart and mind of these people. You have the products they need, but in order to get to this audience, they believe in us. And so we get people ready to utilize financial products and services. Um, and so now this, we're in a space where let's track that data. How fast can I get somebody to cover our Stocks 101 program, open a brokerage account, process a transaction, and keep going? Who were they before they hit our app to now who they are a year later in our app? And revamping that to build the infrastructure to produce that eventually we're going to like create the technology that can produce the wealth score of a person like a FICO score like that's a whole business Ah, makes you qualify for debt what makes you qualify for life insurance what makes you qualify to invest for your children what makes you ready to get a will a trust in the state and essentially it's like I'm building the uh I used to work at JP Morgan like the JP Morgan for the everyday person okay so wonderful okay I actually have a question Mm -hmm. what's an unpopular opinion you have about Finding funding for your business, entrepreneurship in general. What's something that you believe that most people disagree with? That most people disagree with? Hmm. I don't know. I think we live in a day and age. Or a myth. A myth. That, that, that the, and this is how it's presented and marketed. Even I. Funding is sexy. Mm. This person raised millions of dollars. It's like your mind naturally associates millions of dollars being raised 
to millions of dollars generated in revenue. Yeah. Because when now that I'm, I have advisors, we've been approached by investors. And I also, I, I mean, I used to also work with a small private equity company that helped athletes invest in startup businesses. Yeah. So I was sitting Harvard Angel Investor meetings, watching them. I, I mean, I think Shark Tank is a phenomenal show. Mm-hmm. It's a little bit glorified. Yeah. I was in the room watching and understanding why they wouldn't invest in businesses and not invest in businesses. And so I think it's perceived as something that's sexy. Yeah. I think we're now in a space where I understand why people raise capital, but I also started my company from a heart center place. Our bottom line grew because my heart got bigger. I didn't do this to make money. I found a way to do something for the world that ended up making money. And so for me, sometimes I feel like, Bring in again. This is this might be my own perception and my own fears. Bringing in somebody that to on our cap table has to understand that. Yeah. And so, and again, I understand like you you have to produce a return, but the pressure of having to to produce a return when my biggest thing is I need to change a person's life. Uh, like I yeah. care more about the results that our members produce. I don't like people buying and coming into our app and then quitting on me because yeah. if you look at it like a, like like. We used to have an employee who worked at Harvard. She's like, this reminds me of Harvard. What people think makes Harvard, Harvard isn't, isn't true. It's not that Harvard recruits the best students. It's that Harvard makes sure that every single student finishes. So if somebody passes mm-hmm. away in your family, Harvard helps give you therapists. They do everything in their power to make sure you see it through. Because what good is, is Harvard if they have a, a, a 60% graduation rate? And so for me, if you come into our platform and we are the Harvard of financial education, and, and 60% of my students finish. What is, you wouldn't send your kids to a school if 60% of the class is graduating and not going to college or they're not graduating to go to high school. You know, someone just said um, in a previous episode that the schools need you to finish so you become an alumni and donate to the school. Yeah. I ain't know. Right. I, I didn't think about but, that. But if you think you know, about it, about it that. impacts their bottom line. Yeah. So mm-hmm. they're going to do everything that they can for you to support you through that. Yeah. That matters to me than somebody signing up to come to my school. I got you. I got you. So is there anything you want to leave the people with a final message, a thought, a CTA, whatever you feeling, you know? (laughs) Um, I would say, I think one of the things you, you see on the internet, you see the sexy things that entrepreneur entrepreneurs get or have in the results of it. And I think, Building a business, you got to really love what you do because yeah. you get to a space where you're in too deep. You can't go back and you know too much to start over. <laughs> and but it has to matter to you. Like right now, if you were to give me one hundred million dollars and say walk away, I wouldn't mm. because this there there was never a plan B. This was my life purpose. And I would challenge everybody, even if it takes years to figure out, go deep on the inside to find out what are you willing to sacrifice and do everything for to be able to build that business. Because if you don't have it, entrepreneurship is not for everybody. Yeah. And having a desire, hey, I got an idea, let me go raise money. Hey, I got an idea, I want to start a business that looks really great. For me, again, there's no plan B. And it's like really putting your heart in it to know that you're willing to do whatever it takes, funding or not. Because again, the, I have friends now that have raised capital. That's the only reason I'm aware of what it even means to raise capital. And investors started to reach out to us. And so I think, is no, I would rather have the conversations and dig deep into the people who have raised capital, who are building business. Tell me the things that the internet won't show me Yeah. because I too feel like, oh my gosh, I got to raise capital. And it's just like, is that really something you want to do? But I understand the struggle of having to thug it out and bootstrap a business as well. Both are commendable. Yeah. So I think it's understanding, talking to the people behind the internet 
and understanding what it feels like, what you're willing to go through, what you're willing to do, what you cannot do yeah. with both perspectives. Um, because I've never raised capital. I question it every day. And I know I could easily raise millions of dollars. Like we're a profitable business. That's awesome. But it's understanding, am I willing to take a step back from my business to go do that, to bring people on my cap table to trust that they are aligned with the core of who we are and what we do. Um, and I think I want to evolve in that area. And I think everybody should before they go out and either start a business or go out and raise capital for their business. No, I 1,000% agree. Um, I think your head is perfect. I think, and honestly, the best way to raise capital is to build a profitable business and then have the people come to you. And then you'd be able to say, yeah, no, no, you could be picky. And when you can be picky, that's when you find investors who are aligned. Ashley, thank you so much for coming thank on you. the podcast. You've been incredible. And I hope the people, I'm not hope, I know people have learned something from watching your episode and definitely go sign up, you guys. Y'all all need this financial education, <laughs> even me. Thank you guys so much for tuning into the More Rounds podcast. I'll see you guys on the next episode.